Do you find that you sometimes avoid following through with disciplining your child because uh, it's just difficult for everyone? Does your child lack self-control and become frustrated at your instruction? Do you feel like you're at the end of your rope? Are you ready for me to stop asking questions so you can actually get some answers? <laughs> well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. We hope that this episode will be the first of many related to the topic of parenting. If you want to know more about Ginger or me or how we came to start this podcast, be sure to check out our first two episodes entitled How It All Began, Parts 1 and 2. Before we get started on today's episode, though, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Hey there, Ginger. I'm excited to jump right into today's episode because, you know, discipline is one of those areas that we can so easily just get so wrong. And the world offers us very little guidance and hope on the issue. So thankfully, God's word gives us everything we need to discipline our children well. And so just so I'm really excited for you to share that wisdom with us today. And I'm guessing that like all of us, you have some battle scars from raising your own children. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Lots of battle scars <laughs> over here, Katie. <laughs> I remember when my kids were growing up, and there were just so many things that would play into whether or not I was consistent with discipline, whether it was stress or my mood or mm. being overwhelmed with too many things to do. I know we can all relate to that. Or just being mm -hmm. worn out with the amount of time and effort that it takes to discipline the right way. So like every mom, there were days that I got it right, and there were days that I didn't get it right. And on the days when I didn't get it right, thank God for those extra measures of grace. That's right. But what we have to remember and what we want to keep in mind is that regardless of our mood or disposition, it's our responsibility to discipline our children in the ways of the Lord. Ephesians 6.4 tells parents to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But, you know, Katie, let's face it. Sometimes we try to avoid disciplining them because... It's not something that we enjoy doing. Mm. It's not fun for us, and it's not fun for them. And so we try and weasel out of it. And I think one of the ways that we do that as parents, I know I caught myself doing this sometimes, is trying to control or manipulate the circumstances. That way, 
we don't have to experience the unpleasantness of disciplining our kids and they don't have Mm. to experience the unpleasantness of being disciplined. So to avoid it, we sometimes try and take control of a situation in a way that's, you know, just really not healthy or beneficial. This is really relatable for me because there are a few things I dislike more than the actual act of disciplining my kids. I think it ranks right up there with watching them get a strep test. (laughs) Uh, I would have thought, by the way, this is just a side note. How has modern medicine not come up with something by now that would replace shoving a twig down a child's already sore throat? (laughs) That's totally not related. But anyway, none of us like to see our kids in pain or suffering, whether it's their own doing or not. And that's right, of course. But even though, think about it, even though that strep test is painful, we're still willing to let them endure that pain. Mm, Because we all know, yeah, because we all know that that's what's best for them in the long run. And Katie, it's the same with discipline. It's not fun, but it's necessary that we allow them to endure it because that's what's best for them in the long run. Mm -hmm. The long-term benefits outweigh the short-term discomfort when it comes to discipline. So we don't want to try and avoid discipline by manipulating or controlling the situation. Mm -hmm. I love to tell this story um, about what happened to my friend, Dr. Jerry Colley. He is actually retired now. He retired about a year ago, but he used to be a veterinarian here in my hometown of Opelika, Alabama. Hang on, let me interrupt you. He's a he was a veterinarian, and his name was Kali. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I love that. That's hilarious. Really? Okay, sorry to interrupt. Okay, so Dr. Kali, if you knew him, he is just the kind of person that would do anything for anybody. He loves people. He loves animals, and he loves God. But when he was still practicing as a vet, it was really hard for Dr. Colley to not be an in-control kind of person because, I mean, that's what he did. He mm. had problems with animals. So when someone brought their pet in and they were hurting or they needed some sort of a treatment, let me tell you something. Dr. Colley was the man because he would assess their condition, he would make a decision, and he always administered the best treatment. He, he took control of the situation and he fixed the problem and he did it very well. But he told me this story one time about how his taking control backfired on him. And I'm so thankful he gives me permission to tell this story because it's really a good one. So this young boy comes into Dr. Colley's clinic one day with his dad. And the little boy um, had his hamster cupped inside of his hands. And Dr. Colley said, as soon as I looked over and took one peek at that little boy's hamster, I knew immediately without question, that hamster was on his last leg. Oh, I know. And then he told me that the little boy, this is so sad, he walked over and he ever so gently placed his hamster into Dr. Collie's hands and he said, please, Dr. Collie, I know you can fix him. I know you can make him okay again. And oh, that makes me want to cry. Oh, that is so sad. Beautiful. And Dr. Collie said, and Ginger, he said, I looked down at that hamster in my hands and of course, At that very moment, that hamster went (sighs) and laid his head over and died. Oh, no. I know. And then he said, but, you know, that little boy, he was just so upset and he was so convinced that I could make his hamster well again. And he said, and Ginger, I don't know what I was thinking, but I said, I tell you what, son, get your dad to take you out for some ice cream. Give me about an hour and let me see what I can do. And so, I know, so off, if you knew Dr. Collie, you can totally picture all of this. So off oh. the little boy and his dad went to get ice cream, and 
if you knew Dr. Colley at all, you, you could just totally picture him doing this. He leaves the office and goes down to the local pet store carrying that dead hamster. And he matches <laughs> him up with another hamster the same size and color. And wow. So, I know. So one hour later, the little boy and his dad walk back into Dr. Colley's vet clinic and Dr. Colley places into that little boy's hands a lively and energetic hamster. <laughs> and the little boy, he was none the wiser. He had no idea about the switch. And he was so excited. He put the hamster in the cage and he ran over to Dr. Colley and he wrapped his arms around his legs and he said, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Colley. I knew you could fix him. I knew you could make him better. I knew you could make him okay again. And so <laughs> Dr. Jerry Colley goes on about his day thinking none of it. And, and so here's the funny part. Later that night, the boy's dad called Dr. Colley at home and he said, Jerry, I can't believe you. I've been waiting for three years for that hamster to die, and there you go buying him a brand new one. <laughs> oh, that backfired big time, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. I love that story. Yeah, it, but it's a story of trying to avoid addressing something that's unpleasant. Mm. And you know, as far as discipline, the tendency to take control and try and fix or manipulate a situation with our own children in order to avoid discipline, that stems from what we think to be good motives and good intentions. But it's vital that we as parents understand the importance of taking time to discipline our children, which when it's done right is emotionally healthy, uh, rather than just trying to control the situation in order to avoid discipline, which can actually wind up being emotionally harmful. Okay, let's pause here because this is pretty much the opposite of what the world tries to teach us. The world says that discipline of any kind will hurt a child's self-esteem. And so the world suggests only building up a child and ignoring or even deflecting their sinful behavior. You know, we're truly living in a post-Christian society, and it will be increasingly difficult for Christian parents to decipher right from wrong unless we're just constantly, consistently in God's Word. So how can we know if we're falling into the trap of worldly discipline, if, if you can even call it discipline, I guess? Right. And, and I actually don't think we can call it that. I don't think worldly discipline is a thing anymore, is it? Mm. No, I guess not. <laughs> so the world mentality today is it just seems to always, um, they want to avoid discipline at all cost, avoid mm. anything that doesn't feel good. So when it comes to training our children, rather than setting that standard for obedience and being consistent to discipline when that standard is violated, many parents try to control and manipulate the child's environment so that they can avoid discipline. Mm. So let me just give you an example of how we might to try and control or manipulate their environment instead of training them. Mom is talking to a friend, and little Randy is grabbing a ceramic owl off the end table. And mom looks over her shoulder, and while she continues talking to her friend, she picks up the ceramic owl and she puts it high up on a shelf where Randy can't reach it. So little Randy then walks over and grabs the glass picture frame from the other end table. And after smudging his sticky fingerprints all over it, mom eventually looks over and sees that he has it. And she says, Randy, put that back. Randy actually puts it back. And then he waits until mom's busy talking again, and then he grabs it again. So mom gets up picks up the frame and puts it high up on a shelf where Randy can't reach it. And history just repeats itself until mom has succeeded in rearranging the entire living room while little <laughs> Randy looks for something that mom can't move. And yeah, and you know, let me just add too that we're always training our children. 
whether positive or negative. Mm. See, mom has trained Randy and the principle that she has trained him in is this. If you can reach it, it's yours. But if I put it where only I can reach it, it's mine. But she has Mm. failed to teach Randy about self-control and obedience. And, you know, I think probably the main reason that we try to control and manipulate their environment rather than disciplining, and I know I mentioned this earlier, is because discipline is unpleasant. I think we can all agree that to purposefully inflict consequences on our children, well, that's a really hard thing to do. Like Mm. you mentioned earlier, Katie, I knew of nothing harder than disciplining my kids. We love our children. And we don't like to see our children suffer consequences because it's unpleasant for us and it's unpleasant for them. But we're told in Hebrews 12, 11, that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Ginger, I know our listeners probably have all sorts of varying opinions about how to interpret the Bible's instructions on this topic. But I will say this. When discipline is done in love and never in anger, and when it is followed with prayer and reparations, so just apologies where they're necessary from parents or kids, um, it's just amazing how their hearts are softened. It truly does bring peace to our family when we do it God's way. And our affection toward our kids and their affection toward us actually grows when discipline is done in a biblical, self-controlled way. That's right, Katie. And that's the key. What you just said, for discipline to be administered in love and with self-control, it should never be administered in anger. When we discipline in love and with that gentle instruction that God calls us to, our children understand that it's love that motivates us to do it. Mm -hmm. And they find comfort and security in that love. And, um, you know, even though it's unpleasant, It always brings peace and unity. It's sowing and reaping. We need to constantly remind ourselves that when disobedience is met with painful consequences, our children learn the law of the harvest. Mm. They learn that God has built the principle of sowing and reaping into their worlds. And with that lesson comes wisdom, wisdom that encourages good choices. And so that's a lesson that we want to teach, not avoid. That's right. And again, it's the opposite of what the world teaches. I read an article on a website called healthychildren.org, and it absolutely floored me. This info was taken, by the way, directly from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And here's a quote for you. As long as your child isn't doing something dangerous and gets plenty of attention for good behavior, ignoring bad behavior can be an effective way of stopping it. Ignoring bad behavior can also teach children natural consequences of their actions. For example, if your child keeps dropping her cookies on purpose, she will soon have no more cookies left to eat. If she throws and breaks her toy, she will not be able to play with it. It will not be long before she learns not to drop her cookies and to play carefully with her toys. Now, that's the end of the quote. I'm pretty sure... Uh, the author here either doesn't have a toddler or just hasn't been around one in a really long time. Because no, I think the child will learn to break bigger and more expensive things to get a reaction from mom. That's just my suspicion. Exactly. And allowing children to throw things and destroy things is, I mean, think about it. That's not teaching them the value and the virtue of self-control. That's right. A prerequisite for healthy and joyful living and good relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. Children who are not trained in what's right, but instead are allowed to go about their day uh, just making demands and getting their own way and living their lives with no self-control, well, 
I mean, let's just face it, they're unhappy children. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they struggle with anger because when children are allowed to have their own way all the time, they quickly become discontent and angry when their wants and desires aren't met. That is so true, Ginger. Yeah. Parents often, I think, avoid disciplining their children in biblical obedience by using methods like bribing and threatening Um, counting to three or repeating their instructions over and over, reasoning with small children, and as we just discussed, sometimes even trying to manipulate their environment. Mm -hmm. And those methods may actually manipulate the child's behavior to some extent, but they fail to reach the heart when it comes to teaching children to obey. Yes. And for our listeners, we actually have an upcoming episode titled Six Discipline Mistakes Parents Make, where Ginger's going to just expose some of those worldly deceptive methods and talk about why they fail to reach the heart of the child and what we can do instead. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that episode. Yeah, that's going to be a really good eye-opening episode because worldly methods, you know, they're all about avoiding discipline, whereas God has called us to faithfully and consistently train our kids. And when we're, you know, when we're not consistent with discipline, it's going to cause confusion in their hearts because there's no clear definition as to what's right and what's wrong. Mm. They don't know what's okay and what's not okay, what's obedience and what's disobedience. Children need to know what their boundaries are, and then they need to be consistently corrected when they overstep those boundaries. Otherwise, they're going to stay confused, and confusion can lead to frustration, and frustration can lead to anger. We don't want to exasperate our children by being inconsistent with discipline. And I know I quoted Ephesians 6-4 a little while ago, but I left out that that first part, which says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my Dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm and I was like, "Yeah, dad. I've had this for almost 10 years." <laughs> and he said, "Well, I never noticed that before." <laughs> and then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's Word in your heart, just go to dwelldifferently.com and sign up today. Again, that's dwell, D-W-E-L-L, differently.com. Okay, so can you give us an example of how not being consistent with discipline can be confusing and exasperating for a child? Sure. Uh, Like one day... Andrew's mom ignores him as he drags all the Tupperware out of the kitchen cabinet. (laughs) Next day, he's disciplined for it. That's confusing. Mm. That's exasperating. And that's really unfair to the child. If he never knows when you might strike, he's going to spend his entire childhood walking on eggshells. 
think of what that can do to his confidence and his assurance of his actions. We have to set the standard and then be consistent in following through with consequences when that standard is violated, or we can wind up exasperating our children and provoking them to anger. And, you know, also a child who never knows what to expect can become very insecure because there's a great sense of security in knowing what to expect. Mm -hmm. What's cruel and unfair and and anger provoking is when they walk on eggshells all day because they don't know what might happen next. Discipline that is based on the mood or the whim of the parent, that's discipline that leads to anger. All Mm -hmm. children, whether infants, toddlers, or older, find lots of security in knowing where their boundaries are. And I think that though no child would likely admit it, they actually crave those boundaries. You know, many times they push our, the limits just to see if they exist. And if we choose to ignore sinful behaviors, it probably really is confusing and unsettling for them. Yeah, it most definitely is. And really, if you think about it, with boundaries come freedom. Because when we establish boundaries for our children, we're actually giving them the freedom to determine when there'll be consequences. Mm. They're corrected by their own choice rather than it being based on the mood or the emotion or the whim of the parent. A secure confident and emotionally healthy child is a child that knows his boundaries and is consistently corrected when he oversteps those boundaries. Okay, I want to say that again because it hit me hard just now. You said children are corrected by their own choices rather than on the emotion or the mood or the whim of the parent. Uh, man, what a struggle that must be for a young tri- a young child to try to interpret their parents' behavior before they can begin to understand their own behavior. No wonder that can lead to anger and frustration on the part of the child. That's right. And, you know, we also need to be aware of only correcting major acts of disobedience while letting those minor acts slide. That's something else that we have to think about. About 100 years ago, J.C. Ryle warned parents by saying this. And, you know, I can't remember. I tried to find it. I can't remember which book this was in because I'd just written down this quote from him in a notebook. So I'm just going to read the quote. But this is J. Ryle. He said, J.C. Ryle, sorry. He said, Beware of letting small faults pass unnoticed under the idea that it's a little one. There are no little things in training children. All are important. Little weeds need plucking up as much as any. Leave them alone and they will soon be great. Mm. No, Katie, anyone with a garden knows the importance of being consistent with little weeds. If they're let go all summer, they're incredibly hard to pull. And, you know, we know it was easy when the roots were small and didn't go very deep. But to pluck up those weeds now, well, it's a back-breaking job because they've been overlooked for so long. It sounds like you've been in my yard, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I can tell you through personal experience that it's the same with children. It's so much better if we pluck up those sinful weeds of disobedience when they're little. Mm. It's going to be easier and less frustrating for us and our children when we take the time to train them while they're young rather than trying to retrain once they get older. Parents who keep a loose grip when their kids are young and then try to tighten up on that grip when their kids start moving into the teen years— well, a lot of times they wind up with rebellious teenagers. Mm-hmm. And it's because that's not natural. We want to keep that tighter grip and call them to obedience when they're little. And then as they learn to submit and obey, uh, they they earn and deserve more freedom as they get older. And that's mm-hmm. the natural way that God intended. But a lot of times we try to do that in reverse. And that's exasperating and frustrating for the kids. 
And Ginger, you know that from personal experience, um, your life as a teenager, and I'm excited for our listeners to get to hear your testimony um, in a future episode that we're going to call When Teens Rebel. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can know when that episode drops. Okay, but let's go back and talk about that quote from J.C. Ryle. Um, It's convicting to me because I often find myself backing off of you know, minor corrections, because I feel like some days I could literally correct every word, look, and act from all three of my kids. Yep. And I I don't want to be a nagging mom. So how do I find that balance? Mm, I totally get that, Katie. There were so many days when my kids were growing up when I felt like all I did all day long was correct and discipline my kids. And I actually remember going to bed some nights and just crying because I felt like, that I was just on them constantly. Mm. And those were really hard days. But I can say with certainty that when I remain consistent to sow the seeds of discipline during those seasons, when it seemed uh, to just be a, a very difficult and endless battle, a new season was always right around the corner where we would reap the fruit of peacefulness. Mm. And let me just say that consistency in hard seasons for me and my family, always ushered in new seasons of peace and unity. And I did find that those seasons came in cycles, but the quicker I nipped those bad cycles in the bud, the sooner we got to enjoy those good cycles. Mm. Parenting is hard work, but again, we reap what we sow. And, you know, I can't say this enough. I wasn't always the perfect parent who always got it right. Please don't think that. When mine were little, (laughs) I remember often finding myself in uh, in just ruts of being inconsistent. My children would do great for weeks, and then all of a sudden, I would just start letting these little acts of disobedience and these little acts of disrespect start creeping in. And I think the reason that I would let them go is because things had just been going so well. I wasn't having to discipline, and I didn't want to rock the boat. I wanted things mm. on trucking along like they were. Well, so I would let these things go. Well, the next thing I know, I'm frustrated. I'm repeating myself and I'm raising my voice and it's my own fault. It's because I'd not been obedient to God in in training my kids consistently and diligently in obedience. And because of my disobedience and neglect, my relationship with my kids would suffer. It wouldn't be during those times as intimate or open. Um, Tension and frustration would creep into our relationship and it would begin to rob us of the openness and the closeness that we usually shared. And so I found that we would all suffer the consequences of my disobedience. But you know what? God is so good. When we seek Him in our weaknesses, He even uses our disobedience and the times that we really blow it with our kids to do something great. I found that some of the times I blew it with my kids by getting into those ruts of not being consistent, man, those wound up being some of the sweetest and most teachable moments. Well, you know, I haven't blown it yet, Ginger, but if I ever do, (laughs) what should I say to my kids? Well, by the grace of God, during the times that that I blew it and found myself in those ruts, I would actually just sit my kids down and I would just say something like, kids, I need to ask you to forgive me because I have been allowing you to disobey. 
I've not been training you the way that I'm supposed to. It's my responsibility to train you in wisdom. And I've been allowing you to live foolishly. And then, Katie, we would just go back over what's expected. We'd just go back over the standard. Tomorrow's a new day. And something I always said to my kids during times like this, and especially um, during the times that I would have to discipline them, I always said, I love you too much to allow you to disobey and live foolishly. I actually just had coffee with a friend the other night, and I was telling her this, the way that you say this, I love you too much to allow you to. It's just really a very loving way to correct our children. And one of my favorite things about your books, and probably what I implemented first, is the use of biblical terminology in everyday conversations with my kids. So instead of saying, you know, be nice, I would tell my children to be kind And using words like foolishness and pride, it can seem a little bit awkward at first, especially talking to very young children, but I think it prepares them to understand the Bible in a much clearer way as they grow. Yes, I think so too, Katie. And, you know, so we don't want to substitute God's wisdom with man's wisdom. If you think about it, the world tends to soften sin, even in the way the world words and labels sinful behavior. So rather than using worldly terminology, we want to use biblical terminology. Mm-hmm. When it comes to sin, we want to call it what God calls it. In other words, we don't want to substitute your being disobedient with you're acting ugly, telling a lie with telling a fib, or being foolish with being stubborn. And here's mm. one that I know I hear often. We don't want to substitute being disobedient with being strong-willed. You mm. see, you, can you see that, Katie, how the world yeah, absolutely those sins and, and really makes light of those sins and even excuses those sins in the way that they even word it. And so that's why we have to look to the Bible, because it's the power of God's Word and God's wisdom that will truly penetrate the hearts of our children. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's not our words but God's words that will expose the wrong and convict the guilty and promote that righteousness that's available to us through Jesus. Oh, and let me just say one more thing about consistency with discipline. It's so important, so very important that mom and dad are on the same page with discipline because what's really, really confusing to kids is to enforce two different standards. Okay, so what I hear you saying is that you don't endorse the go ask your dad solution. (laughs) Okay, well, tell us about the pitfalls of the parents not being on the same page. Okay, well, for example, dad believes a certain behavior is wrong and he disciplines for it while mom sees nothing wrong with it at all. Our mom is always the one who enforces the consequences and dad is always the one who just talks. As a rule, It's really better for one parent to lighten up a little or the other parent to loosen up a little so that there's unity and consistency. Um, Because if not, then the child will not only become confused, but he's eventually going to learn how to manipulate one parent against the other. And then you have some marriage problems going on. (laughs) So we want to take the time because the time it takes to fine tune your parenting philosophies to the same specifics, that's going to be a valuable investment that's going to save hours of frustrating and ineffective discipline in those years to come. Well, this is a really good time um, to mention that if you and your spouse are not on the same page in your parenting, 
Ginger has a three-session seminar called Reaching the Heart of Your Child, and it's available on CD and as a digital download. Um, And it just thoroughly covers the why, when, and how of biblical discipline. The first session is how to reach the heart of your child. Session two is how to give a biblical reproof. And session three is the biblical use of the rod. And in that session, Ginger gets down to the nitty gritty of the actual act of discipline, which is just so helpful. This series is based on the content of her book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. And there's also a companion study guide that works with that series or with the book. Yep. And the great thing about the audio series is it's something that busy parents can listen to while they're driving because, you know, not everyone has time or not everyone wants to take the time to actually sit down and read. Some people don't even like to read. So that's why the series can really be uh, a great investment. Now, of course, it's ideal if parents can listen to it together and talk about it as they go. But sometimes, you know, it's just going to be more convenient for dad to listen, uh, you know, maybe while he's going back and forth to work or for mom to listen while she's out running errands or working out or whatever, and that's fine. But whether parents listen together or separately, what I really want to encourage is for them to come together and discuss the things that they agreed with and even discuss the things that they didn't agree with. You know, you may not agree with everything that I say, and that is okay. Okay, but talk about that and then come up with a plan of action that you're both comfortable with so that you can get on the same page in your parenting. Because let me tell you something when mom and dad are unified in parenting and unified in discipline, that really creates a sense of comfort and security in the hearts of their children. As we come to a close, Ginger, can you just offer some hope and encouragement to parents who feel like, you know, they've probably blown it when it comes to discipline? Yes, don't feel like that. Please be encouraged that it is never too late to start implementing biblical principles in your parenting. Tomorrow is a new day, so take time to talk about your new plan for training your children in the ways of the Lord, and then take some time to talk to your kids about it. And whatever discipline plan you come up with, it's so important that you're consistent, because consistent discipline will bring your child to a place of submitting to your authority. And according to the Bible, that's a place where God has promised blessing. And isn't that what we all want for our kids? God's promises and God's blessings blessings in their lives. So don't be deceived into thinking that discipline will hinder closeness because parents that are consistent in requiring obedience, they're keeping that relationship in balance. And it's those parents who will enjoy a close and open and really sweet relationship with their kids. Thank you, Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening now. And while you're there, uh, we would love it if you would leave us a rating or a review. This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, including links to our sponsors. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her audio series, Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or digital download and her best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, as well as the companion study guide that can be used for the audio series or the book at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. 
Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that homeschooling is doable for almost any family, but that doesn't mean it's easy. One thing my husband and I do for ourselves every year is to go to our favorite homeschooling convention called Teach Them Diligently. There we hear from amazing speakers who are just truly experts in their fields, including one of my favorite speakers, Ginger Hubbard. You may have heard of her. (laughs) She'll be at all four in-person events this year. Teach Them Diligently is more than just a convention though. It's a trusted community of like-minded homeschoolers and they provide helpful content to equip you to homeschool and disciple your children better. My husband and I have been to other homeschooling conventions and you know, one thing I noticed about Teach Them Diligently is that it is truly Christ-centered and family-focused. For more information about the upcoming virtual and in-person Teach Them Diligently events, visit teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net.